We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with our special 2019 preview podcast. I am here with, well, two of the best members of our staff. Have with me Eric Ho and Johnny Magic. Johnny, that is. Gomez, how you doing? Eric, we'll start with you. Doing great. Doing great, Derek. Thank you. How are you guys? Oh, I'm joyful and triumphant. Johnny? I'm magical. You're magical. <laughs> so magical that these two gentlemen got up early on a Sunday morning, way early, on the West Coast to record this podcast. And I got to tell you, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be talking with you guys. We're going to talk some 2019 
Los Angeles Rams. Before we get into it, we do want to ask you to remember our sponsor. Our sponsor is Jim Hawk and Hollywood's team. Also, remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a five star review on Apple Music. Helps us out, really helps us out moving up the charts. That's why we have this everlasting contest. I mean, I think this contest, we started it before Johnny was born. <laughs> to get the 200 five-star reviews, one lucky winner, a $75 gift to get to NFLShot.com. This is how it works. Head over to Apple Music. Leave a five-star review. Leave us an email at ramstalk 1945 or a Twitter, uh, a Twitter message, whatever. Just showing your screenshot so we know who to reward because... Apple Music just shows an ID, and sometimes your ID does not match up with your email address or with your social media ID. And then we'll also read your feedback on the show. Okay, all that said, it is time to preview the 2019 season. My first question for you both is the one that is immediately on our minds. What do you think of the current, and it's 724 Pacific Time, a.m. on September 1st. What do you think of the current 53-man roster and the decisions that were made? I'll start with Eric. Go. Well, I'm pretty shocked about the Dakota Allen cut, um, but I guess I can understand. I mean, maybe he'll be picked up on the practice squad. Uh, we can only hope. Uh, Franklin Myers was kind of a, a shock, too. Um, I know he didn't get a lot of uh, play in the preseason, but he was pretty strong. I mean, he had that strong showing in the Super Bowl, you know, that one sack on Brady. Uh, we were hoping to see some more from him. And uh, I think Wolford, you know, I mean, he, now that we only have two, uh, you know, Goff and Bortles as quarterback. I, I, I'm shocked, but, you know, he had a great performance in the preseason, but I guess we'll see what, what Snead and McVay have planned. You know, I know they've got a bigger picture going. So those are my three biggest shocks, but uh, I think we're still going to be strong. Johnny, your thoughts? I'd like to think I'm easy like Sunday morning. So for the roster, I think the biggest shocks Eric kind of touched on was Dakota Allen. I it, It's kind of baffling just because he was a guy that, performed really well in the pro the preseason that i thought anyway right and the position in and of itself is extremely thin so the fact that they cut him is a little bit shocking and you know taking in a guy like troy reader who you know i, I think he's a decent player but uh I, I think there is a little bit more potential for allen but the thing is i analyze the game and i you know i'm a spectator but at the end of the day I'm not part of the coaching staff, so they they know more or less better than I do uh, as, you know, more of a couch coach than anything. <laughs> so uh, I do think that, you know, you got the, you know, legendary Wade Phillips as your defensive coordinator, so I'm not that concerned. But I am hoping and praying that that Allen ends up on the practice squad because I think he's too talented and there, there are going to be teams going to be eyeballing him, I think. But uh, JFM... Uh, John Franklin Myers, I think he has potential, but he is a bit of a mystery of like what position he could possibly play. And I think now that we've seen a season of him and, you know, coming into the preseason, it just wasn't as wasn't matching up to what the Rams were expecting or hoping for. And I think that's more or less the, the deciding factor with Myers. Um, what, what's your take, Derek? Well, you know, I interviewed John Franklin Myers last year before the season started, and one of the things that I I was really impressed with him was his drive to succeed, his drive to right. be a major contributing factor on that team, 
to make his place. And then some of the things we're hearing this week, just in the last 24 hours, is that, well, honestly, Tanzel Smart outworked him and came into camp with a whole different attitude, a whole different approach, a whole different everything. So I'm going to chalk it up to John Franklin Myers not taking the next step, but that's not personal. It's not not anything that reflects poorly on him long term. What I basically took from it was he wasn't ready the way the team needed him to be ready. It does not mean he will be an ineffective player elsewhere or he won't make it somewhere. I think John Franklin Myers will. I think he'll take this this cut and grow as a player, grow as a person. I, I know he will. Yeah, that's the kind of person he is. But it was a it was a little sad, a little shocking to see him go. But Vinny Vinny Bonsignore from the Athletic had actually noted that he could be the odd man out. So obviously Vinny saw something in camp that uh, really showed that he could he could lose out. As for the rest of the fifty three man roster, well, three running backs stunned me a little bit. I think it says a lot about John Kelly that they cut him and left with three running backs, which means to me they're going to go look somewhere else. I don't think there's any way on earth they enter the regular season with only three running backs on the 53-man. That's, and that's what we're hearing, too, over the news wires here. The Rams are looking for somebody, that they're eye on somebody. So the roster, to me, isn't even set. But it says a lot to me about where they were in their evaluation of John Kelly that they didn't feel like he was their fourth best option on that roster. The corners, I was a little surprised to let Kevin Peterson go. I'm a big Kevin Peterson fan. I like his ball hawking skills. I don't know if he will land with the team in practice squad because I think other teams saw that as well. It looks to me like the team prioritized special teams, the ability to shift around, move around, be versatile. And they also prioritized the effort that was put out by, by specific players in training camp. That's what I saw in terms of... Well, the overall, the big thing I'm getting, though, is that the Rams, they, they just, well, I mean, I, how do I say this? We have counterparts in the media, specifically in Rams media, that really blew their you-know-what when they saw these cuts over Dakota Allen, over John Franklin Myers, over several of these moves, and... I have a problem with that kind of behavior in media. And Johnny, you know this is this is nothing out of the norm for me. You know I am very much a stickler for if you are a media, even if you are quote unquote a fan media, you need to be in a certain place. Like you need to be behaving a certain professional way. And so I saw a lot of folks out there hammering the Rams for their decisions, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, the Rams have proved themselves tremendously over the last two years for their player development, for their player evaluation, the whole process. And for anybody to come out there and hammer the Rams yesterday for their cuts, it bothers me. And I'm saying this about outlets and individuals that I consider to be friends, that I consider to be to be um, smart people. So it's not personal. I just think we need to back up and give credit to where credit is due because the Rams deserve that leeway. Now, I'm saying that as a person who in the past, and Johnny, you, we've, we've, we've been together here. We're in our seventh season here at Rams Talk. We've certainly questioned player decisions in the past. We've certainly been like, what are they doing? But in this case, with the track record the Rams have laid down over the last two years, I think they deserve a lot more credit and a lot more leeway 
in their evaluations. Doesn't mean they're they're perfect and will never be wrong, but they see these guys day in and day out. They keep track of them over the offseason. They touch bases. They get in the training camp. You see them in training camp. You see where they are work wise, scheme wise, how they get along, where they fit, and. While we have players we, we can see raw talent in, I have a problem with the idea that all of a sudden we would know these players better than they would when we have just a scant amount of the same access that the front office does and the coaching staff does to these players. Yeah, I definitely tend to agree with you there. And I think what a lot of people are kind of missing the point here is a lot of these guys that are making the roster, well, first of all, we're not even sure are going to stay on the roster. You kind of touched a little bit on that, uh, that the roster isn't technically finished just yet. You know, uh, we've seen it before where guys have made the active roster only to be cut, you know, a couple days later. Uh, Brandon Allen last year was a good example of that. Technically, he made the active roster in the um the first 53-man roster cut, and then they cut him like three days later. So this is not done by any means. And there there is an overall strategy and overall picture to this. A lot of these guys that we do, we've become a little more familiar with than in past years because in reality, in past years, we've seen starters playing. We've seen, you know, guys that have been, you know, competing in, in preseason now it's basically come down to you know the last few roster spots and you're getting a more clear picture of what the coaching staff goes through normally and these are guys that won't see the field much at all if at all so some of these guys will be lucky to get a few uh to get a few snaps in here and there but reality speaking these are these are guys that are either gonna just sit the bench or occasionally fill in to relieve the starters so it's not the end of the world for to lose you know these talented guys and and that's just it it's only 53 players so it's gonna be tough cuts here and there go eric what are your thoughts i i agree with johnny i mean we and you i mean we don't what my biggest worry is the depth behind the line. Uh, I think our offensive line. Uh, I know we've had, you know, we have a suspension and an injury with uh, with Neary, and uh, we don't have really anybody behind Allen. Um, but I, I'm still confident that we'll do well. I, I'm confident that the staff, that McVeigh, Sneed, coaching staff, they know what they're doing. They see the big picture, as Johnny was saying, and you know, we've uh, they've got a plan. And I think it'll be fine. But uh, I do want to see a little bit of uh, uh, more depth behind the line. Just, you know, stronger backups. D-line is not too bad. I mean, you've got uh, uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, Greg Gaines. Yeah, they're pretty strong. You know, Gaines is a true nose tackle, which is nice to see. Um, I'm just really, um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do. But uh, I, uh, I'm a little apprehensive with just, you know, having backups in the, behind those lines. Well, it takes me to the next question that I have for you guys here, and you've already kind of touched on it. If there is a weakness on this roster at this point, what do you think it is, and do you think the Rams will do anything to resolve it? I'll go with Eric first. What are your thoughts? I guess, you know, with with defense, we're pretty stacked with, with linebackers. I mean, we've got all 
kinds of guys back there. I mean, you've got Clay, you've got Fowler, you've got uh, Okoronkwo and everybody, and I think we'll be good there. And we've got guys that can shift and move into different positions inside, outside. My my biggest fear, though, honestly, is the nose tackle position. Um, I've been thinking about that, and I just I'm hoping that uh, uh, Joseph Day and Gaines can really step it up there. Other than that, I mean, I think we're pretty stacked on offense with receivers. Uh, the O line is just my my biggest fear. We've got two rookies up there at guard and uh, center. You know, Allen and Noteboom. Uh, I, I I'm fully confident in them, and I know the coaches are. But uh, we just want to make sure that they're ready and that uh, we still have. Uh, depth back there for me and eric you mentioned this earlier the offensive line is the biggest concern not so much the starting although we're still a little you know murky on on that area Um, but the backups are the biggest concern we've seen it through training camp we've seen it through preseason you know a lot of these guys are very inexperienced some of them just simply aren't all that great so it terrifies me if one of our starters goes down, we have to plug in one of these guys. Exactly. And, and you know, that that's that's a scary thought. It really is because then the whole offensive unit becomes weaker. I'm looking at the, the roster, at the uh, the offensive line in particular, and, and there's not a whole lot of offensive line depth either, which, uh, as, as we've been kind of talking about all, all uh, podcasts, is... This isn't done. Our, our roster is not set yet. Uh, I have I have a big, strong feeling that we're we're going to add like a couple offensive linemen uh, as backups. You know, with all these other roster cuts, because there are some teams that are stacked with offensive linemen that are cut, cutting. You know, you know, quality guys. They just can't place them on the roster and fit everybody there. So, don't be surprised. You know, if we we go out and you know bring in a couple of offensive linemen to to replace some some players, but uh, the other concern you touched on uh, linebackers, I, I'm actually really concerned uh, on the linebackers, uh, particularly inside, just because I don't see Bryce Hager as a starter, mm. and as of right now, he's kind of penciled in as as a starter. I realize he won't take the majority of this. I mean, he'll take. He, he'll take some of the snaps, but he won't be like a full, full-time, you know, starter. He'll kind of be toggling in in and out with, you know, other players, maybe guys like Taylor Rapp. But, um, yeah, the, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow as Bryce Hager as our starter. I know we were kind of hoping Micah Kaiser right. would be that guy, but I'm not entirely sure that Micah Kaiser would have even got the job if he was healthy. So... Now I'm hoping and praying that, you know, the Rams can bring in a guy to maybe compete with Bryce Hager throughout the season. You know, maybe a guy like uh, Brandon Marshall that was just cut by the Oakland Raiders, you know, something, you know, because at this point, you know, the linebacker position, not not all of them, but a good number of positions there, um, just it, it's it's a bit concerning. So, you know, we were talking a little bit uh, before the podcast started about being a little bit nervous against, uh, you know, mobile quarterbacks, even some of the running, uh, uh, even some of the running backs that we're going to face throughout the season. So 
this is not a perfect team by any means. It's still a very dangerous team, but there are some weaknesses that the Rams still need to address at some point. Well, for me, and for how this roster is built, I'm not really concerned as much on the edges with the quarterbacks running. I'm concerned straight up the gut. I think there's enough speed on the edge the team has right now that it's going to be fine. Everything's going to turn out okay on the edge. I'm worried about up the gut. I'm worried about, say, Cam Newton, if he's healthy, for example, getting a hole in the middle and he's gone because there isn't a whole lot there in the middle. I am concerned that Greg Gaines did not actually establish himself during training camp. I'm concerned that we didn't hear a whole lot of buzz out of Joseph Day. I'm concerned right there in the interior. And then you go at inside linebacker. And I do believe, by the way, that Michael Kaiser would have won the job. I believe that he was just getting going. Got to remember, he didn't see a whole lot of action there last year. So as training camp wore on, I believe we would have seen more and more of him emerging as time went on. So that interior concerns me. What I'm a little more secure in is the fact that with the way Wade Phillips is doing things, Inside linebacker isn't necessarily the the focal point of this defense. To me, right now, it falls mostly on how effective will Brockers and Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald. We know Aaron Donald will be effective. We know he definitely will be. But how effective will they be concerning the guys around them? And if they can be effective, that will change around how the entire front seven goes. Clay Matthews, where will he fit in? Will he come in the interior sometimes? I think they will play him sometimes in there. And that will change things as well. So I'm worried about the front seven. I'm concerned about it. I'm more concerned about the offensive line. And I'm concerned not really because of the players the Rams have. I think they've done an excellent job developing these guys. I'm more concerned about what they now face within the division. The 49ers and the Seahawks are stacked in their front sevens. Absolutely stacked. And that changes the game for me. Two weeks ago, if you would have asked me about the Rams and where they are in this division, to me, they they will win this division. They will win it by a, a, at least a game or two. Now, I'm not so sure because the matchups aren't in their favor. When you have four games against two stacked front sevens like that, that's two front sevens who can get to your quarterback, hurt your quarterback, can disrupt plays, and we've seen as in the Super Bowl, as in the Lions game last year, the Bears game last year, that the Rams' offense can be stopped or at least slowed down with a pass rush. So how will the Rams adapt? This goes way, way back now to the very beginning, the chess game that I've kept talking about all offseason, playing chess. Can the Rams really combat that game plan that's been set out to face them? Will they win the chess game? Will they adapt and be able to deal with that? And... Until we see it happen, then it's up in the air. Do I believe they will to a large degree? Yes, but playmakers are playmakers. And it's hard to deal with seven-man fronts that are as talented as now the Seahawks with Clowney and the 49ers have. It's a concern. Do you guys share that concern? Johnny? Absolutely. I, I think, you know, at the addition of Jadavion Clowney to the Seahawks defense, is alarming, you know, I, and I don't, I don't know if uh, too many people are taking this as seriously as it is, because you know they, he brings an added dimension to this already talented Seahawks defense. You know, I feel like it's a little bit on the underrated side. Well, at least the front seven, anyway. 
now you're you're adding another dimension to their defense and then you still have the San Francisco 49ers defense to deal with. So, yeah, I do think in the end that the Rams will still be atop of the division, but it's it just got a little bit harder. And, you know, you you got to protect your assets. You got to protect guys like Jared Goff, Todd Gurley who we've been worried about his knee the entire offseason. Right. So, you know, you 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 have to really focus in on on protecting these guys. And now we're 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 having to worry about the offensive line a little bit because uh, at least a part of it is is a little bit unproven still. I think you're right, and you know a lot of these uh, defenses are built uh, to take on the Rams. You know they're just uh, learning from you know the last season, and they're trying to build everybody to uh, find our holes and and take us on and get to our offense and. Um, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on the uh, practice squad? I'm kind of excited to see who might get picked up. You know, maybe we'll have some uh, guys we can get that'll help uh, give us a little depth or give us a little strength um, up the middle or uh, behind the line. What do you guys think? As far as the practice squad goes, you know, I, I think a lot of it will be trying to retain some of the players that you know we've already mentioned. Some of the some of the guys like Dakota Allen. Um, you know, a couple other guys out there like uh, that might be worth keeping, like maybe uh, Kadero Hodge or Kevin Peterson. But like you mentioned too, you know, there's still, you know, that's there's still plenty of room to add other players that weren't on our uh, roster to begin with. So maybe focusing in on guys like offensive linemen, uh, maybe some linebackers to maybe. Uh, give them a chance to see maybe if they have potential enough to make the active roster at some point during the season. But um, like I said, though, I think a, lo- uh, a lot of that will be addressed too um, to the active roster. It, it just, it, there's a lot to be said there. And I, I think we're going to see a lot of activity uh, in, in a couple hours. Uh, what are your thoughts, Derek? Well, I have no idea how fast we'll get this podcast out this morning. So this could wind up being more of a people listening and make fun of our predictions kind of <laughs> podcast. But this is who I'm going with right now. You know, in terms of that practice squad, John Franklin Myers will not be on because he'll, he'll be picked up on waivers. Somebody will get him. So if anybody even thinks maybe we can keep JFM, it's not happening. He's going somewhere else. Yeah, probably so not. get that out of your head. I think we'll see John Kelly on the practice squad. I think we'll see... John Wolford, the quarterback, who clearly outplayed Brandon Allen. So, there you go. The other cuts here, to me, that make the most sense that we, to bring over Dakota Allen, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. He did play well. He did, you know, he is a guy who really kind of fit into the scheme. I just think that he was the odd man out. That's not in any way, in any way, representative of any failures on his part. They just did what they had to do. I also look at the offensive line, and a couple guys, a couple names we saw with those cuts that surprised me. Basically because of death-wise, we may see Youngstown States. I might even go for Vetus' last name, man. I never get that thing right. You guys know how horrible I am with those names. <laughs> but Vetus or Brewer, so there you go. I look at it and think you'll see those on, on the squad, and I would say another person you'll see on that squad that deserves to be there. Kadero Hodge, like you mentioned. Guys I don't expect to be there, Justin Davis. 
and that's because he's been in the league long enough. I don't know about Stephen Parker. They already have a, a large amount of safeties on the roster right now. Kevin Peterson, if he can be on that practice squad, I think will probably be there. So we'll see. I mean, I'm expecting the Rams to go out there and look at who's available cuts-wise, who are young guys, rookies, second-year players, who they think will fit their scheme and see about getting them on the practice squad. There are going to be some surprises when it comes to practice squad. I don't mean do not be shocked at what you find. I also would not be shocked if one of the tight ends that was released Friday makes a practice squad as well. Don't be surprised. I think at the very least, though, we'll see Allen, Brewer, Hodge, Kelly, Wolford, and Peterson. That's my prediction. I'm not going to go for the last four. I'm not going to take a shot at those. Landis Durham, maybe. Uh, It just depends on what people find. You guys want to take a shot at your your, uh, practice squad predictions? Uh, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. Um, to be honest, my uh, my predictions won't be too much different than Derek's. I that's pretty much who I, I feel like uh, the the Rams are going to target because we've talked about how you know how talented these guys are, and uh, if we're gonna if we're gonna say a tight end, I think maybe a guy like Kendall Blanton. I think he he did pretty well. You know, uh, in terms of, um, I, I don't think all 10 spots will go to guys we're familiar with. I think uh, at least a couple of spots will be picked up from outside, but we'll see. I, I, I'm I'm really hoping that we can retain uh, Kevin Peterson. I, I, I'd be shocked, honestly, if he, if he isn't picked up by another team just because this is a league that really needs a lot of talented cornerbacks. And I, I think he will be on a roster at some point. It's just, you know, the Rams are stacked with cornerbacks this year, which is odd because that never happens. But, but yeah, they are stacked with them. And, and uh, it was a little bit of a surprise to see Darius Williams, but he, it's not like he didn't perform well, um, you know, during the, the preseason. And, and I've seen and performed during the training camp as well. And he, he performed very well during training camp, at least from what I saw. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I'm going to really predict because I'd be really shocked if, if they end up with 10 guys we're familiar with. I agree with you guys. I mean, I I would love to see Peterson back. Uh, just the great performance he had in the preseason interceptions. Um, Allen would be the one I'd love to see. Uh, the most, I think, and then you know, just uh, I, it's hard to predict who who would be picked. But at least if you get uh, strength back at linebacker, I think Allen just brings so much. He had such a great performance, uh, twenty two tackles, and and uh, I believe a pass deflected, and you know, just um, the effort he puts in. And you're right, he he fits in so well with the team. And yeah, it'd just be kind of tough to see who else. But uh, Peterson would be great, and uh, Blanton would be pretty cool to get. Uh, back as you said uh he had a great performance as well okay a couple things just before we move on quick note eric you mentioned lawler lawler is on the he's injured so he could be we'll find the next 24 hours if he's a guy who's gonna be out all year or if the rams will be removing him from the roster as well put him on the ir that's something we're watching very closely the rams do like him he probably would have made the team otherwise i mean if if he hadn't been hurt so we'll see with lawler and 
One thing I do want to ask you guys about is what players are out there right now do you think will be a good fit for the roster? Well, that's tough. I You mentioned it. Brandon Marshall sticks out. I mean, for inside linebacker, that's a strong, strong pick. But uh, other than that, I really do not know. Um, that's just one that sticks out right now. I wish I had more for you. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, Johnny, what do you got? Yeah, like you mentioned, Brandon Allen. Um, I mean, ooh, I combined players there. Brandon Marshall uh, is a guy that uh, is one to look out for. He fits the team well. Uh, so, something that I think uh, a player that many of us kind of expected them to target even before you know the cuts were happening. You know, we were targeting. We were thinking they were going to target them and during the off season. Uh, another guy I was thinking of is maybe a guy like Jeff Allen from uh, the Chiefs. He's an offensive guard. One of the things that we don't really have as uh, uh, as backup uh, offensive linemen, we have uh, you know we have some backup tackles in our rookies, but we don't have a whole lot of depth in in offensive guard. And uh, we uh, I don't know if he could play center also, but uh, the transition to from a guard to center is a little bit easier than a guard to say a tackle. So they could explore the possibility of him, you know, training and, and uh, at center as well. So you can back up Brian Allen. Uh, that'll be interesting having two well, Allens on the pause, team. Pause, pause, pause. Who, who, are you, who are you talking about? Jeff Allen. Jeff Allen. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't catch the name. Go. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no worries. So, so yeah, Jeff Allen is, is a interesting guy that was cut by the Kansas city chiefs. And, uh, for me personally, I, I think he would be my top target as a uh, you know guys that were cut even more so than Brandon Marshall, who I, I think is is a talented player and I think he could contribute something. But uh, Jeff Allen at this point would be a necessity because uh, yeah, the, the Rams really don't have much behind uh, you know our starting offensive guards. Um, if I had to, if I had to say anyone else. Uh, you, I guess you could look at maybe you know a guy like Malik Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, I I, I guess that's a, another guy. He's a linebacker from the the Cincinnati Bengals uh, that was recently cut. You you could look at maybe even bringing back Rameek Wilson if you really wanted to. But um, overall, my my top target is Jeff Allen. I think he's a fantastic guy to target at this point. It's interesting you mentioned interior line. That's where I go as well. But there's a certain person who just happened to get released by the arch rival 49ers. His name? Joshua Garnett. Guard from the 49ers. Talented first round pick in 2016. His problem staying healthy. Rams Wire covered this yesterday. And I think he's an intriguing option because. He doesn't have to start, but he has a talent to do so. He started before, got hurt previous years. He knows the 49ers offense very well. He could be more of an inside guy for when they face the Rams this year. I would be very surprised if the Rams did not at least make a call his way just to talk to him, see you know what they can do to maybe bring him in. That's Again, that's, that's, that's Joshua Garnett from the 49ers. I think you mentioned Jeff Allen as well. I would also potentially look at, like you guys mentioned, Brandon Marshall. Some guys I know that I'm hearing people talk about that I would say, heck no. One guy being Shane Ray. 
listen, people need to let that go. Just let it go. It's not going to happen. If it does happen, I think we'd all be stunned. I think there would be the case of, of going after a guy who really, there's a reason why he's bounced around. Just don't bother. Uh, another one that is mentioned a bit now is because it was a surprise cut third round pick, Ja'Kai Polite. I, if I said it right, geez, I never see these things right. But the Jets cut him, a third round guy. And it's very rare for a team to cut a third rounder that year. I think the last time I've seen this that I can remember was the Broncos cutting Maurice Claret years ago. Doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I just don't remember anything else. But Polite's out there. I know he and the Rams had a great combine meeting. But there's a reason the Jets cut him in third. Cut him. There's a reason they cut him. So I, I don't see that. Running back, I think they're going to go running back. I don't know who they're looking at, but it's pretty obvious the Rams are not done there. I think there's no way on earth they enter this season with three guys on the roster running back. They just There's somebody out there they've seen they like. I, I don't have a name on top of my head, though, but there you go. Maybe Thomas Rawls? Maybe. Maybe. Again, that would be a guy within the division, too, who knows other team schemes, so there's multiple reasons to bring him in. I would think maybe that could be an idea. I just think that overall the Rams are going to look at linebacker, offensive line, running back, and if they can wrap back around to defensive line help, if it's the right guy, then sure, they'll do it. But I I would be completely shocked if multiple changes are not made to this roster right now. It's just not a balanced roster. It's not. If you look at it right now, I think they're not done, and I think they know it. By the way, funny you would you would mention Maurice Claret. <laughs> I well, wonder I wonder why, I wonder why you remember him out of everyone. Well, it's very clear because I'm a Buckeye. I mean, <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't remember all these there guys. But that's the last third round rookie that I remember being cut by a team was was him. Uh, so, all right. So actually, getting into this week and getting into the a bit of more of a preview, we've kind of beat this horse dead and buried. We do want to kind of get an idea of where you guys think this team is going long-term, looking at the schedule. I think it's probably better at this point to avoid the whole idea of doing a full preview podcast today because, well, we don't have time. Before we move on, though, we'd like to go ahead and give a shout-out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk, who wrote this amazingly wonderful book. And I mean it because I'm a big history buff, and I can tell you he's also personally been very good to us. Jim Hawk wrote the book, Hollywood's team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some stories of his father and the team he played for an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norman Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Church, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in the story spin the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available both in hardback and the trial format at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And you can also find Halloween through various other booksellers on the internet. Guys and gals, all you Rams fans out there, this book is worth your time. If you, if you love the Rams, if you want to know more about their history and why it's significant in the Los Angeles area, you need to read this book, period. Hands down. I'm not even, I'm not even remotely lying to you here, okay? I'm just telling you, go check it out. Another important factor, all proceeds go to Homeboy Industries, which is an organization that works to get people in the gang life, out of that life, 
and making them into productive members of society. I'm telling you folks, it's well worth it on many fronts. And if you like a paperback, guess what? It's out this week, September 6th. comes out in paperback. Go check it out. Again, that's Hollywood scene. Great glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. And I do want to send one special shout out to Jim. Jim, we're about to enter our seventh season covering this team. You and I, we, we talked a couple years ago about your book as part of one of our very first podcasts. And you've been an ardent supporter of ours from the very beginning. And uh, it seems very important to me to acknowledge you and everything that you have done for us to support us in the last couple of years as we head into this next uh, season, this next part of our of our future. So thank you again, Jim. Um, and guys, go buy his book. Go buy his book. Leave a review on Amazon. You know, if if there's if you can't support us financially because of any reason, the very least, go leave a review for him if you've read the book and show him that support that he deserves. Okay, one more word from our sponsor. Check it out. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. All right, all that in mind, a little bit of prediction time. How do you guys feel about the season moving forward? Specifically, let's start here. The NFC West. Right now, four teams. I think three of them are clear playoff contenders. Right now, Johnny, I'll start with you. Where do you go with this division? It's going to be probably one of the toughest divisions in football. That is clear. And like you said, there are three clear playoff contenders here. And uh, and then there's the Arizona Cardinals, but uh, I don't have high expectations with them. <laughs> uh, mainly because I, I'm not a Cliff Kingsbury fan. I just, I don't get it. But overall, I think the NFC West will, will challenge the Rams. And I think there are many teams that the Rams are going to go up against that will challenge them. But at the end of the day, I still think that the Rams are still a solid bunch. They are, you know, the core of this team is still part of this uh, team that went to the Super Bowl. And I, I, I think that the Rams are going to be solid enough to, to make it, uh, you know, to the playoffs again for sure. So overall, I, I still, I'm, I kind of did this uh, prediction with Steve uh, on Butting Heads podcast, Shameless Plug. <laughs> but um, I, I, I predicted a 15-1 and one season before any of this started. And just because I'm I'm fickle this way, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay stick with it. Fifteen and one. I am very confident in this Rams team still. Johnny, cocaine is a hell of a drug. You know, I just, you you <laughs> said that to me. I recall, I recall you saying that to me a couple years ago too, and uh, I was a hundred percent right. And I hope you are right. I hope you are right. I'm going to get to that, to my thoughts on that in a second. I'm going to roll over to Eric because, Eric, you deserve your shot in the, in the spotlight here. Where do you think this team goes? Where do you see this division going? What are your thoughts? I think that the Rams will uh, 
again win the NFC West. I just uh, I know it's going to be a tough road for them. They, you know, uh, teams have strengthened themselves. You know, San Fran, Seahawks. We've still got uh, some tough contenders out there, and I know uh, we had a great season last year, thirteen and three. I would like to say we can do that again. Um, realistically, we with the changes with line and and losing uh, quite a few guys, uh, and then having uh, others step up and step in. I think we might be closer to uh, uh, twelve and four, eleven and five. But I still think that's good. I, I still think we make it to the playoffs. I still think we're a Super Bowl contender, and I see good things. I, I'm I'm a believer. Well, I guess it comes down to me because. And I am the normally the pessimistic one. I guess I will be the pessimistic one this time, but not for the <laughs> same reason that you might think. I don't think this team is a bad football team. I don't think they. I don't. I don't think they in any other year would be. I wouldn't be as tough on them, say last year, than I am going to be this year. And the reason why I'll say this is not them. It's the rest of the, of the conference. The rest of the conference got better. The Eagles got better. As we saw today, the Saints got better. Now, I don't know if Drew Brees holds up. That's the big deal to me. Does Drew Brees hold up? The Seahawks got better. The 49ers got better. The Bears stayed about the same, but they were already tough. We'll see how they go. They lost a couple things. The Packers got better. The Vikings should be better. The Cowboys got better. So all these teams out there got better, and the Rams... In the meantime, just because of who they are, of how they're built, I don't want to say they, they didn't get better. I say that you lost Sue. That can be measured in different ways. You were in a position where you went for the Super Bowl and you had to rely on developing young players. And those young players are now guys you're depending on. I think there are a lot of concerns for this team because the rest of the conference got better. Not because the Rams did anything wrong. Not because the Rams have made any poor decisions. I don't have a problem with any decision the Rams have made. I don't. I can look at it and go, you know what, I understand it. Even going back to last year in, in the Peters trade and, and giving picks for him and all those things, I get every single move they made and every single move makes sense. Their draft picks from this last year, the, those are question marks, for sure. But they've shown time and time again that they will, with this team in McVay and and Sneed, make the right decisions. So before folks like, man, Derek, you're so hard on the Rams, it's not me being hard on the Rams. I look at the rest of the conference, and it just got better. It just got better. I see two teams in the AFC, which to me are Super Bowl contenders, and that's the Patriots, and that's a big F, by the way. They got better in the trap. They lose some guys. And sooner or later, Brady will show his mortality. And you have the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to be very, very good. Right. If that defense comes together especially. If that defense out there comes together, the Chiefs, to me, are going to be very good and could very well win the Super Bowl this year. But I look at the NFC right now, and you have three teams in the NFC West alone that, in my view, are at least capable of winning the division and making a deep run. For the 49ers, it depends on Garoppolo, what he, what steps he takes, can he stay healthy. But otherwise, the 49ers have a very good roster. The Seahawks got a lot better, and they did it in a lot of different ways. The rest of the divisions, they're better. These teams are better. And then you start off the Rams 
with three playoff contenders right away. The Panthers, the Browns, the Saints. Flip them, Saints, Panthers, Saints, Browns. If the Rams aren't careful, they could be 0-3. I talked about that before in the podcast. They could be 0-3 going into Week 4. Why? Because they took a leap of faith in keeping these starters on the bench the entire offseason, and we have no idea how they've gelled. For all we know, they've gelled perfectly in all these scrimmages and so on and so forth. But we just don't know. So I'm talking way too much, but let me bring it all together. I think the Rams very easily could go 9-7, and 10-6, make or miss the playoffs, and be just as good as last year. That's how much better this conference is this year. It's a very good conference. It's a dangerous conference. And the Rams may pay the price for going all-in last year to try and get that Super Bowl win. Johnny, very, go. Very doom and gloom for Nancy over there. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to be. I'm just acknowledging the fact that the rest of the conference got better. And we have to look at – and I'm going to – man, this has been kind of brewing. I've mentioned it time and time again. But I really have a problem with the NFL rules right now on various levels because teams like the Rams should be rewarded for – Excellent scouting, excellent development. They should be rewarded for that. They shouldn't be penalized for that. The fact that the Rams had to cut so much talent yesterday tells me how good their player evaluation has been. Think, guys, think back. Eric, think back. Johnny, think over the years, have you ever seen a cut that, to on paper, would be that difficult? There is so much talent they had to cut yesterday. I've never seen them cut talent like that before. Uh, it's been a while, we're loaded. but, uh, but uh, yeah, it was necessary, though. It was Well, of course it's because you have to, but tell me this. You have a league right now that, for what we understand, wants to go to 18 games. At the same time, we're keeping rosters the same. This is stupid. 53-man rosters, only 46 are active on game day. And you're talking about people playing 18 games. Meanwhile, you keep a salary cap in place that basically penalizes teams for developing their players. Think about this. You get, let's just go, let's say Daryl Henderson, or Cooper Cup, or Josh Reynolds, Jared Goff. All these guys are guys that, on various levels, will make a standard salary going through their, their contract. And then it's up to you as a team to develop them. So you develop them, and now you've got to pay them. But you can't pay them because you have a salary cap. And so a lot of these players, you're going to have to let go. You get them for five years... And you can't afford to keep them, even if you want to keep them, because you develop them. I'm sorry, that's BS. That's garbage. And so the Rams are in that position now. Why can't they keep some of these players they want to keep? A, roster should be should not be 53-man. B, you have a salary cap that forces you to pay the price for developing talent. Do I make right. sense? And then you've got a, a, a 90-man roster cutting out to 53, and if you want to extend games, that's just going to be tough. There's, It seems impossible. Well, I just see a general hypocrisy in it. I know we're not going to 18 games this year or even next year, but you see a league that is stressing that, but you want to keep the roster the same. You want to keep this hard salary cap so teams that grow, like we saw with the Seahawks a couple of years ago, they had to cut guys they didn't want to cut. They had to move guys that they didn't want to, they didn't want to move. Why? Because they developed them in the stars. And they couldn't keep them. So you're making it impossible for teams that are doing well to stay, well, not impossible. You're, 
you're making it, to me, unfairly punishing a team for being good. I look at the Seahawks, and they had the Legion of Boom gets right. broken up. I, I've seen numerous teams over the years. This is why the Patriots are special. The Patriots are special because they found a way to keep this going, even though they've been under these rules. And any team in the league would be intelligent to emulate them. But overall, they shouldn't have to do things this way. They should, no team should have to pay the price for being good at what they do. The Rams, in the last couple of years, have been excellent at what they do. Drafting, developing, and then guess what? These players are gone a couple of years. So they're developing Goff, and then you're going to wind up paying Goff $35 million or so, dollars, and that's going to crush your salary cap to where you can't keep these guys that you want to keep. So even now, the Rams have to look at, even as they're building this year's roster, three-man roster, they have to keep that in mind as they, as and players are going to cut. Examples of this would be, look at Buffalo. Buffalo has Sean McCoy, he's over the hill, but they can't keep him, even though he's worth well, something. He's a chief now. Yeah, yeah he just now. left. Yeah, so he's going to chief now. I'm just looking at this and going, if you want to maintain balance in the league, I get it. That's, the, that's been the goal for a long time. You want there to be some level of parity where teams can rebuild and compete quickly. But of course. I think it's, I'm on a rant, and I get it, guys. Be patient with me. It bothers me that a team can be as good as they are at what they do and then be forced to let them all go. You have to think that it is in the back of the Rams' decision-making. It was in the back this offseason. If they can keep players in a certain way, they, they should be able to do that. But they have to think of Jared Goff, and they have to think of other contracts coming up. And to me, that's... I got a problem with that. I got a, I got a very deep problem. And it isn't just about the Rams. I would have a problem with that across the board. There should be a change in the salary cap that allows you to go over the salary cap for a set amount of time or a set amount of dollars on homegrown players. And that's something they need to consider because if you are a homegrown player, you should be able to stay with the team that drafted you, that developed you, and not be forced to leave or the team be forced to let you go. And we're starting to see those effects of players... The Rams have had to let go of, of players, uh, of changes they have to make, and, and the changes in, in thinking for the future because they couldn't necessarily make moves they wanted to make this year because they have to think Jared Goff, $35 million coming up real soon. 35-ish, 37-ish, I'm not sure the pay is going to be, but it's going to be somewhere between, let's say, 33 and $40 million. That was a lot of meat there. I'm sorry, guys. Unbelievable. No, it's fine. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a good article, Derek. <laughs> well, you know, if I could actually write <laughs> right now, it's it's very difficult to write. So, uh, it, it's okay when you get when when you uh, when you can, you know, well, uh, yeah. that that topic will still be there. I'm sure it will. So, <laughs> there you go. But you guys have no thoughts on that. You're just, you're just kind of listening to me go off on a tangent. No, I mean you you ha- you bring up some great points, and and I think that if the NFL does indeed. Uh, expand to 18 games and and cuts to preseason games. I think they should absolutely consider expanding rosters. They, uh, you know, 53 men at this point is just not enough for 18 games. And you know, maybe expanding it to uh, maybe up to 75 players. I don't know. It it, it just uh, it doesn't make much sense for the league to keep it at 53 players, especially when there is an entire league that could fill in the players that don't make it to the NFL. 
So I would absolutely be in favor of, of adding more players to a roster. Uh, you know, I, I think it wouldn't be out of the question to expand, you know, 75 plus players uh, to a roster, especially, like I said, if, if we expand 18 games. Eric? Absolutely 100% agreed. I mean, you've got that long preseason, four games, and we've all argued that it should be a little shorter. And if you go to 18 games, that's just hampering the team way too much. You've got to expand that roster. Well, I'll even say it now. Jim Everett mentioned this yesterday on Twitter. He mentioned how stupid it is now for a 53-man roster and a 46-man active. Why isn't that 53 and 53? And why not expand it more? In an age where we're seeing more and more serious injuries coming up, more ACL tears, more concussions, more all these major injuries, and now we're seeing a drop in players playing high school football. This stuff is starting to filter down. Yeah, if you're trying to to make the game safer, you make it safer. You make it safer both at the higher level and the lower levels, and it filters down. USA Football has already taken action to improve the way the game is taught in terms of tackling and so on and so forth. We're seeing those actions at the lower level protect kids, and we better because as this game gets bigger and faster, it's going to become more dangerous, and all of a sudden, one day we might not have a game. That sounds ridiculous, but... So, you know, movements rise up when people start getting hurt. So you look at the game as it is now, and you're at a crossroads. You have the idea that you want to play more, but yet you are not increasing rosters to deal with that. Will they have to go 18 games? I'm sure they will. But listen, if you want to keep your players healthy now, if you want to keep the game growing now, you should increase the rosters. The rosters should be increased. The salary cap system should be changed and altered so that you can effectively allow teams to build depth and keep people healthy. The whole goal here should be keeping people healthy. It, not sh- it shouldn't just be make money. Because this is long-term thinking, and tell me I'm wrong. Uh, yes. Well, I could. Well, uh, I, I, I could, <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't agree with myself. To me, this is economics one-on-one. You, you're not just building for the now. You're building for the future. You're building for the, you want your of product course. to remain a desired product down the line. Well, if you if more and more athletes are being deterred from the game, and we're seeing that now at the high school level, it just was out this week. There are more teams short of high school players than ever before. Okay, if we are going to go down that path where we are seeing talent going to other sports, then the sport will slowly become a lower quality sport. If we are not willing to address the issues now in terms of roster building, in terms of roster numbers, in terms of salary cap, then this is going to hurt the league's ability to make money down the line. And I know right now it's about the now. You're trying to make all the money you can now. But I'm talking long-term. So, yes, it's going to cost the owners more money to expand rosters because you've got to pay salaries. I get that. I get that. But you're going to wind up with a much happier player base. You're going to, you're going to, find, you're going to wind up with a much healthier player base. And you're going to wind up with a healthier game down the road. If players have a better chance of even making it to the NFL, it might get to go back into football. And if you want that 18-game schedule, you need to think about that. I'm against the 18-game schedule. I'm totally against it. If you want to have an 18-week season, fine. 16 games and two buys. Keep these teams healthier. Keep them healthier. But the overall to me is 
fix the problems. Fix, think long-term, not short-term. Think about the health of the game. Think about the fact that you're losing players at the very youth levels. There are, if I had a son right now, I hate to say it because I love this game, but he's not playing football. He's not. Yeah, that's pretty strong. He's not playing the game. And that's and you guys all know me. I love this game. I love this team. But my son is not playing football. I mean, that's that's deep stuff. Now, of course, I'm not going to judge anybody else whose kid is playing whose kid is playing football. But unless I know that it's being treated responsibly, being treated safely, then he's not playing. That's a wide scope. So bringing it all together. Just to kind of clean it up a bit. What I'm saying is expand the rosters. It'll help keep players fresh. It'll help keep them safe. It won't fix all the problems, but it'll keep them safe. It's a short-term sacrifice for a long-term solution. Okay? And then, of course, that helps set the standards for lower levels as well. As the entire sport of football continues building towards safety, you're going to save the sport for years to come. And you're going to help reward teams that do the job the right way. That's where it all came from, was doing the job the right way, that develop, and you're not punishing them for it. Okay, there, there my rant is over. Does anybody want to respond to that? I'd like to use the soapbox for, uh, for another time. <laughs> I, I'd like to use the soapbox for another time. I am quickly removing it from De- Derek. <laughs> no, nah, you bring- here we go. You bring up a lot of good points, though, and and you're right in a lot of in a lot of ways. And I think the NFL is aware of some of that. So um, hopefully there are solutions coming. But uh, yeah, I think that might be wishful thinking at some point too. I mean, not everything I'm proposing is going to happen. I don't believe a 16 game schedule with two buys is going to happen, even though. It adds an extra week of televised games for national television stuff. I get that. But um, I just look at it and think there are a ton of things that need to be solved here that kind of wrap together. The idea of pun- you're, you're punishing teams for being good at what they do, but because it's a roster number issue, it wraps into the safety issue. And you said, I'm right about a lot of things. Well, what do you disagree with me on? Uh, I do disagree that I don't know if I I can say that I wouldn't support an 18 game uh, you know season. Like for me, I, I think it can work. It's just there has to be a lot of changes, and uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't throw away the idea of an 18 game season. But a lot of things do need to be adjusted. That's my main disagreement. Well, well, what needs to be adjusted? Well, like you said, the roster in and of itself needs to be adjusted. You can't run an eighteen games, um, you know, an eighteen game season with just fifty three men, and you know, not even all of them are active. So that in and of itself needs to be adjusted. You need to make uh, better safety measures to ensure that the players uh, are, you know, well protected and. You know, certain things like that to help the the players, you know, be prepared and safe for the season. And, you know, the rest is really on on the on the team and the and the coaching staff to make good decisions as well to help protect these players. Eric, your thoughts? 
Oh, I agree. I mean, the 18-game season to me seems doable, but uh, I know we had talked about this uh, behind the scenes a little bit, you know, maybe shortening the preseason to two games uh, and maybe making it work that way. But then you've got the Players Union who is worried about injuries and extending that season to 18 games uh, could be a worry. And injuries should be the number one priority to or to minimize that. And I think that 16 games is fine. 18 games would be cool. But again, you've got to, as Johnny and you had mentioned, adjust that roster. You've, you've got to get more guys on there. You've uh, got to keep protecting them and just make those adjustments. Um, and I heard a crazy stat the other day. I don't know if this is true or not, but that, you know, when you mentioned trickling down to the high school and, and Pop Warner levels, that they're doing away with the three-point stats to help, you know, keep injuries down. So that's pretty crazy. I mean, what's football without a three-point stance? So I, where are we going to go? from there but uh but i do agree with with the nfl at least um yeah we've got safety's the priority uh expand that roster uh and uh you know if, if we do do 18 games it's got to be fixed when no matter what the solution is there does need to be changes made soon i think we can all say that there it's it's not it's not working in my view we're seeing too many stars getting injured how many times a year does a major star get hurt? And, and oftentimes it's hurt early, week one, week two. We, we saw Tom Brady one year. At least twice. One. I mean, yeah, you're losing stars, so this this does affect the game. When you're losing stars, they're gone. And, and sometimes these stars, they don't come back. You just lost Andrew Luck. One, to me, one of the best quarterbacks right. in the game right now. There's no reason Absolutely. for him to be retired, but he's gone. And you don't want to see those stars going. Okay, so it is about time for us to go. This podcast was meant to be one thing, and it went in a totally different way, and that is fine. The, the <laughs> randomness of the podcast and where it goes is outstanding. I do want to ask you all a favor. If you happened to skip our mid-roll ad, I'd ask you to go back and listen to it. So this is what's going on. We are part of a campaign with our host uh, for MyBookie. And if you happen to be that kind of person who likes, you know, likes to bet on games or whatever... You know, great. You can go with them. We actually have a promo code and so on and so forth. But do us a favor, please, and go back and listen to that ad. It helps, again, it helps us out because it provides uh, a promised number of, of listens and impressions to to support us. And so it's actually a big deal. It's a, it's a month-long campaign. Could go longer if everything goes well. So I want to ask you to go back and make sure you listen to that ad. Also, don't forget we are part now, part now of the Big Heads Podcast Network. They um, are a rising network of different podcasts across different genres, everything from baseball, football, to comedy, to drama. And so you can check them out at BigHeadsMedia.com. We need sponsors for this season. And if you'd like to help us out there, if you'd like to advertise with us, if you'd like to get a podcast slot for advertising or on the website, Reach out to us at Ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. It even has a picture of the luscious Magic Johnny. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Ramstalk. You can find me, Derek C. Paul at DC Paul. You can find Eric where on Twitter, Eric? Sorry, my microphone was on. <laughs> E-H-O-N-S-D-L-V-L-A. Uh, that is Erico and Magic Johnny. Johnny, where can folks find you? Johnny five not six on Twitter. Now, of course, you should pick on Johnny because Johnny does not talk on Twitter enough. 
honestly, <laughs> harass him. Go right to his Twitter page, give oh him boy. a ton of crap because he is not interactive on Twitter enough. I just that's right. I just I just called Johnny out here on the show. Don't forget oh, us on, on <laughs> Don't forget us on Apple Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those places for the entire team, from Eric to Johnny to everybody else on our staff. This is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy, have a great one, and have a great one, everybody. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com